Good afternoon and welcome to the Douglas Elliman Town Hall Series. Joining us from Douglas Elliman, Executive Chairman Howard M. Lorber and President and COO Scott Durkin, along with Jacob Sudoff, CEO of Douglas Elliman Texas Houston agent Gigi Wong, and Renee Cohen and Shelby Hodge, social and lifestyle editor for Paper City, the definitive source for fashion, food, home, and lifestyle news in Houston. Also on today's call, Jacob Sudoff will be highlighting the development marketing project, Georgietta, Houston. Please begin. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the 17th Element Town Hall. What a whirlwind summer this has been. I know we've all been working furiously, and the results are nothing but inspiring. For example, in Boston, July sales are up 25% over last year. On Long Island, the eight-digit club is incredibly strong with major closings from our wonderful agents, including Tracy Clinton, Paul Matayunas, Regina Rogers, Maggie Keats, and Joe Scavo, to name a few. Congratulations to all of our Long Island agents who have helped drive New July signed contracts up 40% year over year. And in New York City, agent Lila Najad negotiated the sale of a major West Chelsea townhouse and within just a few days turned around and leased it on behalf of her buyer for an astounding $67,000 per month. The Real Estate Board of New York has just reported an 11% increase in sales citywide from June to July. The critics and naysayers are wrong about our beloved New York City. It's far from being over. From Montauk to Malibu and on down to Miami, there's exciting news to be found in every region of our great company. The culture of Elliman is built on friendship, entrepreneurship, and a commitment to excellence not found anywhere else. And for that, we should all be very proud. We're also steeped in connectivity, and as Howard always says, we are where our clients want to be. With that, almost a year ago today, Douglas Elliman opened its doors in Houston, Texas, because we knew that it was a fabulous city with much to offer in terms of art, food, and growth, fueled by a very attractive tax structure. And Houston is a very important feeder market for our friends, colleagues, customers, and clients in Aspen Snowmass, as well as from California and the west coast of Florida. Houston's seeing tremendous growth in the residential new development arena with beautiful projects on par with our offerings in New York, Los Angeles, Palm Beach, and Miami. So today we're turning the element spotlight onto Texas, taking life and real estate in Houston, the city with no limits. Joining us are Douglas Element Executive Chairman Howard M. Lorber, along with Jacob Sudoff, CEO of Douglas Element Texas, and top producing Houston agents, Gigi Wong and Renee Cohen. Also, please welcome our special guest, Shelby Hodge, the social and lifestyle editor for Paper City Magazine, the definitive source for fashion, food, home, and lifestyle news in Houston. Howard, let's Howard, let's begin with you. What are you seeing across the country? Can you give well, us an overview? Yeah, it's it's very uh it's very interesting. It's different from market to market, um, which I don't think is surprising us at all. Uh, New York, since we had the long shutdown, uh, is starting to come back, um, especially at the lower ends for, for New York City. You know, the brokers are very busy. Anything under two, two and a half million dollars is selling quickly. There's bidding wars and so forth. 
and above that a little higher, but above five, you know, much more, much more, uh, you know, difficult at this particular time. Although I spoke to one of our brokers today who just did both sides of an $11 million uh, apartment. Um, but I think that started on the market a while back uh, in the uh, mid to high teens. Um, so business is uh, sort of it's, it's steady at the low end. So that's been, you know, helpful to us um, because New York is, you know, really where we do most of our business. Uh, Long Island is uh, is down but still doing well. Uh, the Hamptons, when I say Long Island, that's not including the Hamptons. The Hamptons is way up. The Hamptons, I think, is up uh, over 100% over last year's uh, numbers uh, as it relates to uh, commissions. Uh, Florida, also doing well, probably up about 30-some-odd uh, percent um, at this point. Um California up also. Looks like it's up about 15, 16%. Colorado is similar to the Hamptons in, in, in being up uh, substantial. It's up, uh, you know, over 100%. Uh, Westchester has been soft. Connecticut is, uh, these are very small numbers, but it is up, uh, you know, it's doubled. And uh, Massachusetts, about a little down a little bit right now. And that'll probably change. So you know, uh, ranges of being down, like uh, like New York City in the 40s percent to last year, to being uh, you know up a hundred percent and over a hundred percent in the Hamptons and Colorado, and 35 percent in Florida, uh, which is a pretty big market for us. So you know, it, it, I think when you put it all together, it's not as bad as we. It's it's not great, but it's not as bad as we would thought it would be. And compare the uh, the stock market today from our past uh, town halls. Uh, How's it doing? Market market closed up forty six today, forty six dollars. Yeah. Nah. Market's been sort of nah. you know stable at these numbers. The S and P's been going up. The, the the Dow's been up and down a little bit, um, but it's uh, you know it's pretty it's been pretty stable, and I think that's what's encouraging people. And, and don't forget also as it relates to the real estate markets, we still have. Uh, very, very low interest rates for mortgages. It's uh, really the cycle has continued with these low, low, low rates. So uh, that is definitely going to spur um, the uh, the economy and spur buying, you know, buying home buying. So I think that that's a real good thing in our favor. Yeah, and to piggyback on what you were saying about two million being the sweet spot and under, we are launching a campaign that starts tomorrow in the New York Post. Uh, for New York City, but it will spread out to our other regions. It's called the Two Million and Under Beyond Belief ad campaign. So we're very excited about that. Stephanie Garbarini uh, and her team are launching that, and uh, we hope to get a lot of uh, listings as well as as sales because that is where everyone is spending their money right now. As you said, the interest rates are driving that. That is launching tomorrow. Uh, we're here to, today, Howard, to talk about Houston, a city you know quite well. Can you tell us about your history there? Sure. Um, my history in Houston really started around sports. Um, I was the uh, chairman of a company called Skybox, which made uh, trading cards, like baseball cards when you were a kid. Um, but we had the license for the NBA. And one of our spokespeople, we signed uh, one of our spokespeople, was uh, a, 
Hakeem Olajuwon, who was the star uh, center at the Houston Rockets. Uh, it was about 92, 93. And so um, I spent some time there. I came to games, you know, and then they made it, and they won the first first team ever to win the national championship, first owner ever to buy a team and have and win the national championship in the NBA for the first two years. He won the 92-93 season, 93-94 season, and a large, of that, large part of that was because of uh, Elijah Wan. Um, but they've they've always had a very competitive team, so uh, you know something. Houston has been very very much behind. Uh, you know, great fans there, and great new stadium, and so it's 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 done well. And then years later, just strictly coincidentally, I uh, met uh, the uh, person that was the owner of the Rockets. For those years, and uh, we became friends. And they were a team that was pretty much in the playoffs every year. And uh, so uh, I would go. I would go to games down there. I spent time down there and uh, had a great time. In fact, I went to a uh, All Star game that when I was in Houston, and it was just a fan took my uh, my children and my grand my grandson. It was great. And, you know, really enjoyed it. And sort of, you know, had a little uh, love affair with Houston. It's just really a fantastic, uh, fantastic place. Uh, it's a vibrant city. Um, it it had different industries. It wasn't just all, you know, energy. It was a lot of energy, but not all energy. And I think that's why it uh, continued to be strong. It's really, uh, for those of you that haven't been, it's really a great place, great place to go, great place to visit. And also what we're seeing now, you know, uh, when we talk about the high-tax states, you know, like New York, I think the New Yorkers tend to go to Florida but the Californians, uh, California people tend to go to Texas. Um, just uh, maybe it's closer or whatever, but they seem to like going to Texas. Texas is one of the states uh, that has no state uh, income tax uh, like Florida. So uh, mm. great, great place, great place to live, to work, and uh, to enjoy lots of things. So it fits right into our element footprint. Absolutely. Absolutely does. Great. Well, now we will go on to Houston and speak with Jacob. Thanks, Howard. <clears throat> uh, the Jacob, one thing I wanted today? to add, I, oh. I want, one thing yeah. I wanted to add is, and I think also I loved it because I really always wanted to be a cowboy. <laughs> so when I go to Houston, <laughs> I, get right. to wear, I get to wear my cowboy hat, so it's, it's fun. <laughs> That's great. I think we'll all be wearing cowboy hats. Do you wear one, Jacob? Uh, I do not, but, uh, you know, but maybe I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you owned and operated one of the most successful new development marketing and sales brokerages in the city of Houston with, I think you had 85% market share of new development. Uh, why did you seek out Douglas Elliman as your partner? Well, after doing quite a bit of research in the marketplace and realizing that we needed, um, we had a company that really just specialized in new development and did not do resale. Um, in my past, I had done resale, but when I got to Houston, I found my niche, and the niche was in the new development side. And uh, we, I wanted to be having a more uh, holistic approach to real estate uh, sales and marketing, as well as I wanted to expand my business model throughout the state of Texas. And so um, I needed to find, rather than building it on my own, which was going to take quite a bit of time and not have the, uh, the back office infrastructure and resources necessary, I decided to seek out somebody that could be a great partner and, um, and to really add the, the, you know, what, I, what I needed to be able to give me, provide me the platform for growth. 
And after doing, um, you know, quite a bit of research and then actually speaking with a client that actually is um, a client of Douglas Elliman in southern Florida with a condominium that uh, Elliman is selling on Singer Island, um, they recommended um, Douglas Elliman and, and uh, made the connection, um, introduced me to Howard. And um, and so it was just one of those things that just uh, was, um, you know, having a diverse platform that Elliman does uh, with new development and resale and commercial um, you know, it really provided me that that uh, the platform necessary for growth. Well, happy one year anniversary! We're so happy well, that you're part of our our group. And I have to say, it's been an amazing one year, even through all the challenges that we've had um, with COVID and everything else. And uh, but I, you know, I've never really worked with a firm um, before, and especially um, even interacted with a group of people as Element is. Um, the culture of element is something that you almost it's hard to believe when somebody tells you because you have to experience it for yourself and I have to say that the it's a very much of a family um, or you know culture and I've never it's people truly are best friends within the company and travel together and are you know speak with one another on a daily basis and and agents from city to city and and even the, the staff and it's just a, it's an environment um, that is unusual and for any company, and specifically, um, Element truly is very unique in that way. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's great to hear. Well, so the past quarter in Houston, what what are the sales activities? Uh, what are they doing? What is, are they up, down, flat? So, um, similar to the rest of the country, um, especially we you know. Once we had our lockdown lifted, which was kind of June um, for us, um, you know, sales went, um, you know, skyrocketing across the board. But then we also then had another um, COVID level spike again. And so, and we did not have a lockdown, but things did become um, where people did uh, retreat back. But still, um, in this past quarter, we've actually seen that the price point, especially under 1.5 and specifically under a million dollars, has just been. Um, you know, very, very hot, um, you know, competing multiple offers. Um, and um, But we have seen in the past, I would say, two to four weeks, um, the higher-end um, market also coming back. And traditionally in Houston, July and August are the months where we do travel, and especially in the luxury sector. Uh, there are usually more Houstonians in Aspen than, uh, than, in, than um, people from Colorado. So it's... Uh, so I think everyone, especially in the higher end, are coming back to the uh, to Houston um, in the next coming weeks, and uh, we do expect our, our our fall season to be a good one here in Houston. Uh, so you've you've been working in the COVID market. Can you give our listeners, and many of them are not in Houston, some of us are just starting to come back. What what is the biggest um, obstacle you've had with coming back into the market? You're having spike. You're having spikes, but then so are your sales spiking. Is it correct? Has it changed dramatically? You know, I think really. You know, I think it's everybody's a little bit different as they, you know, depending upon uh, their age and um, and just how they're, you know, taking to it. You so you you have the, um, you know, it's just it's very much dependent upon the the individual themselves. Um, but we've never had it where we could not show homes, uh, which was a benefit from in, here in Texas versus other states. Um, but we did have a period of time where we could not do open houses, and um, that lifted, as I said before, in June, 
but it's still we we found that there is a a segment of the population that just you know kind of hunker down, um, and then there's been an additional segment of the market that has just you know got out there and, and are buying homes. We do have I think the quarantine issue where especially um, in the Northeast um, where states if you come to tech or if you're from Texas or going to another state and you have to quarantine for two weeks that has hurt um, uh, us in the fact that people. Um, their ability to actually come here, look for homes, and then go back. And so, but that hopefully we'll be having that lifted soon. Um, but we do have quite a few people moving um, from New York, even to, to Houston. Um, you know, both both coasts are, we're seeing a huge influx from um, into Texas. So you're representing one of the most beautiful developments I remember when we saw it, when we last visited you. Uh, it's called the Jetty, And it's, it's amazing. Can you tell us about it? Sure. So Georgetti Houston is uh, our, the first branded residential um, kind of building in Houston. Um, and the, it, if you know the brand Georgetti, it's a, one of the oldest Italian furniture uh, makers. Um, and it is truly um, something that's unique. So what we did is we came up with the concept of this where we were truly looking for a new kitchen manufacturer to go into a new building. Well, we found out that Georgetti, which was, you know, the Rolls Royce of, of you know, furniture, uh, was coming out with their own kitchen line for the first time. And so we got with them and said, let's do it in the building. And then we ended up uh, developing it where the whole building, um, where Georgetti allowed us to use their brand, and they helped us curate the entire building. Uh, so every everything on the inside is is curated by Giorgetti. It's all Italian uh, manufacturers, uh, from the Stone Age Giordano wood floors to the uh, cabinetry being Giorgetti, uh, to Stone Italiana and all the other uh, features and finishes in the building. And we really um, the building was unlike most uh, condominiums that might be branded where there's a it, they sort of think of the brand afterwards. The building was actually designed um, with Giorgetti in mind, meaning that the actual dimensions of the building are the same dimensions in which they use to build like a piece of furniture. And it, in bricks on the uh, the bricks on the front of the building actually spell Giorgetti in binary code. Um, it, the building is infused with the DNA of Giorgetti, and so it just really set it apart. And it really has created a, a unique experience. And so all of our buyers get to go to Italy, you know, in pre-COVID times. And go tour the factory, and go, uh, and also can customize things. So it was—it's a very unique product, and um, the building itself is—you know—it's uh, average square footage is about 3,500 square foot units. They have an average of like 400 square foot covered terraces with outdoor kitchens and fireplaces, and gas cooktops. Wow. We have a thing called porch potties, where the dogs uh, can has an astroturf built in at, at grade with a drain to the sewer with a water spigot, so they can with doggy doors that they can go and do their business. You have to take the dog downstairs twice a day. So it's really, in essence, homes in the sky, and um, and it's really a nice boutique building here in Houston. And this is the first building, first of Georgetti Houston, uh, first Georgetti branded building in the world. They plan to do them in many other cities around the world as well. And what are the price points? It, we started at around 1.7 million, and they go up to right under 5 million. Um, the the product that we have left is um, all starting about 2.4 million. Um, and then we have uh, one penthouse left, and um, but it's a we are about 70% sold, 
um, and, and the building is not completed yet, but uh, it's almost complete. I would say in the next uh, 30 days it will be completed, and then, um, and then once we're having our grand opening events in September. So we're very excited. Of course, it's more of a virtual grand opening, <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but it is, uh, it's going to be the first virtual grand opening we've ever done, and we've got several to do this fall. So, um, but, you know, we're going to get through it. <laughs> You have some amazing housing stock in Houston. I mean, I know you just sold your, your own home, which I was lucky to see. It was spectacular. I mean, your single-family homes there, I mean, they give new uh, meaning to the, the word mansion, and, and there's one after another. They take your breath away. Um, is that – what are the buyers – I mean, are those old Houston families? Are the, are the new buyers or the – I don't like to say the millennials. It sounds trite, but – are who, who are the buyers of these new housing stocks that you're representing in the new development? Where are they coming from? So, you know, it's all um, – I would say that a lot of it is locals that are upgrading, um, wanting the newer, better, nicer thing. Um, then you also have a um, people who are just move up. And then you've got the empty nesters who are deciding to get rid of the bigger house um, and bigger meaning over 10 to 15,000 square foot um, house and getting into something that's maybe 4,000 or 6,000 square feet. Um, and so our average unit uh, size here in Houston for the luxury condo market um, is over 3,000 square feet. Um, and so, and on the home side, um, you know, the actual single family homes, we're actually seeing a substantial um, upgrade in those in a higher price point. And really what we're being inspired by is we're finally bringing the level of finishing and sophistication to Houston um, that the other markets have. And so I feel like our product is very much online, in line with other markets. But, of course, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. So um, our master closets here are, are on average, the, as big as the, the master bedroom in most of our new, new products. And that's sort of the, the nice little metric is, is the closets need to be as big as the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Well, thanks, Jacob. I'm going to Gigi now because Gigi sells many of the houses that you and I were just talking about. Gigi, tell us about some of the neighborhoods in which you sell. Yes. Hi, Scott. So, um, River hi. Oaks, it is – hi. So, River Oaks, it is one of the uh, most exclusive neighborhoods in Houston. Um, now, the medium uh, home price range is uh, over $2.5 million and with the estates around $10 million. Um, it, it also has uh, – an excellent uh, River Oaks Elementary, but it's, it's, it has access to some of the best private schools here in Houston. And, um, and it's also uh, it's centrally located, and it, and based, and it has um, one of the best uh, appreciation in regards to uh, the, the land value. West University, it's another neighborhood. Um, it's, it's actually one of the most desirable neighborhoods because it's, um, the average medium price point is $1 million, uh, with new construction constantly selling a little bit over $2 million. And um, but it it feels it feels like a suburb, but still so centrally located uh, here in Houston. It's, it has quick access to downtown, the medical center, and even like the Galleria, which is where all the high fashion stores are, and um, and uh, great access to all the major highways. Houston is it, it's it's big city, and so it's very spread out. And so these neighborhoods are are. The importance of them being so centrally located, it's, um, it's, a, it's a huge convenience that people are willing to pay more for. And another uh, neighborhood is uh, the Memorial area. 
Um, the average median price point there is uh, nearly around $2 million and with estates uh, of $10 million uh, plus. Um, certain uh, sections of Memorial is extremely exclusive with uh, well-known unique estates in Houston, um, such as my, my new listing, 120 Carnivon, which is a um, English-style manor secluded on four, a little over four acres, and it's uh, listed at $29.5 million. Again, um, Memorial neighborhood, it has great accessibility to like downtown, the energy corridor, um, the Galleria, which is where all the uh, high fashion uh, retail stores as well as restaurants are located. And, um, and, and so as I mentioned, it's just because Houston is so spread out, um, just being centrally located to um, things like downtown, the medical center, the uh, performing arts, that's one, uh, one of the main reasons these are very uh, attractive neighborhoods, but it, it is also the, uh, you know, the um, exclusivity that they have in regards to like the, um, just the, the beautiful, you know, um, homes that, that are located in, the, in these neighborhoods. Yeah. Jacob has always always said this, and I'm I'm sure you will too. Houston has is interesting as it relates to zoning. It's a lot looser. Are you are you do you find that is are you finding that um, there's a lot of different architecture as well as different buildings and different uh, zoning rules that are are somewhat uh, less than what we'd find in other big cities. Yes. Um, so first of all, Houston, we have no zoning. So um, in a way, it's it's ideal for developers. Um, it's it's um, and and so you do see um, it's, it's interesting as it has grown. I've lived here over 50 years. As it has grown, uh, you're right. You can see like in um, um, sort of like a, a little market area where you'll see a lot of new construction. But then around the corner, you'll you'll see some you know his, some uh, a few older like almost you know like historic buildings. You know some of them uh, there's a few very few but historically prote protected buildings where you know on the um, um, it, uh, the exterior it it looks you know a completely different from the next door neighbor it, because the next door neighbor is like a brand new you know new construction modern stucco etc. And then around the corner you've got this you know home that was built like in the you know 1930s or 20s or something like that. So, um, so it, it, it is kind of interesting from, uh, like you said, uh, because we don't really have zoning. Now we do have deed restrictions and homeowners associations, and and uh, mm -hmm. those uh, to those definitely they do uh, you know they do protect uh, the uh, integrity of the you know the, the the their their territories you know whether or not that uh, you know around the corner you may have like a commercial you know. Uh, a shopping center strip right right directly next door to your two or three million dollar home so so even though we don't have zoning we still have uh, the deed restrictions and homeowners associations that that help protect uh you know and maintain some of the um you know uh the the integrity and the value values of the homes in the neighborhoods well thank you Gigi, and good luck on the new home that you're selling how you've gotten a wonderful press on it it's really beautiful thank you you're welcome. Randy Cohen, how are you? I'm doing well. Same thing. Do you work in the Woodlands? Oh, good. You work in the Woodlands that, as a master plan community in greater Houston. It's uh, still a huge part of the Houston real estate narrative. What's it like living and selling there? Can you tell us about it? Uh, yes. So um, we're about, I want to say 28 to 30 miles away from downtown Houston, so we're not that far off. It's about a 30 to 45-minute commute. But what um, kind of playing off of the zoning um, 
the leaser zoning rules that Houston has um, kind of created all these master planned communities and outlying areas. And so the Woodlands is on a on a massive scale. So the, we kind of function like a small town. Um, there's over 120,000 residents that live in the Woodlands. Um, it has about 35,000 homes in it currently, which I think when it's completely built out, will be close to about 46,000 homes. So um, we call it the bubble. You know, uh, one of the nice things about the Woodlands is you're convenient, conveniently located to everything. So the way that um, George Mitchell developed it, which were about 46 years old, he started in the 70s. So uh, the oldest homes are, you know, built in the mid, mid-70s, and they're still building new construction that they'll probably be finished out of in about the next three to five years. Um, so there's a wide variety range of product. Um, but we call it the bubble because you pretty much do not have to leave the woodlands if you don't want to. It's very self-contained. There's over 23 public schools in the woodlands, 10 private schools, seven golf courses. So it's leisurely resort-style living on a, on a large, large scale. That sounds amazing. Um, what are your three favorite things about the area? And what kind of homes are for sale there? Is it, do you have the, a, a full choice similar as Houston does, but obviously not? Their, the homes are less than 30 years old, I think. Well, correct. So most, most of the homes probably average in about a um, 15 to 25-year range. Um, a full variety, there is everything from smaller starter single-family homes. Probably our starting point is right around the 200000 mark up to luxury uh, mansions up in the $19 million range. Um, there's several gated high-end communities that range from about a million to $20 million. There are three 55-plus uh, communities. There's numerous communities located on seven different golf courses. There's two lakes, like 48 ponds. Um, everything is built behind the trees. So there's um, where Houston, you know, doesn't have zoning and there may be signage and billboards in the woodlands, everything. Uh, you're not allowed to have signs um, unless they're on the ground. Um, and everything, including going to restaurants and shopping, are literally behind the trees. If you're not sure exactly where you're going, you'll probably pass up a, a gas station and uh, a shopping center and not even know it. Wow. You're right. You really don't have to leave it. That's great. Well, thanks, Rande. We appreciate it. Sure. If you're not from Texas, you might not know what Paper City Magazine is. It's the definitive source for news of all things luxury in Houston, Dallas, and Austin. So we're really fortunate to have its social lifestyle editor here this afternoon. Welcome, Shelby Hodge. Shelby, you Sorry. might be on mute. Yeah. Can you hear me now? We can hear can you. you. Hear me? Thanks. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah thanks. Thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks for having me. You're call you I think you're calling in from Colorado today. Yes? Of course. Where else would it be yeah, starting so, in July? <laughs> well, August? for for our Aspen and Snowmass agents, can you discuss why there's such a strong connection between Texas and Colorado? You know, really, um, that started in skiing back in the 70s. That was a favorite winter destination for Texans. And then through Colorado marketing and 
climate change, I guess. Uh, the 90s and onwards, popularity as a summer destination has actually overtaken the winter popularity. It's basically about escaping the heat. And then there's so many vibrant cultural arts flourishing in Aspen and Snowmass and throughout Colorado, really, that um, we go there to sort of continue the lifestyle that we have in Houston the rest of the year. So um, what drives the culture uh, in Houston right now? We've heard from Jacob and Renee and Gigi about real estate, but you cover the greatest amenity, which is lifestyle. Right. Um, Houston is a, is a really uh, known for diversity, known for being a city city, known for its sports. Um, and the international connection is really strong. We have uh, 77 consular offices here. And... 145 languages are spoken in Houston, if you can deal with that, uh, expressing our diversity. And then our theater is fabulous. We have 13,000 seats for live performances. And I believe that's the biggest number outside of New York City in the country. And Houston also is one of only five cities in the country that has permanent professional resident companies in all the major performing arts and disciplines, including the symphony, opera, ballet, and theater. And then, as you all mentioned earlier, we have sports. Baseball, football, basketball, soccer, both men's and women's, and also one of the largest medical centers in the world. So there's always something great going on here, something to do, something new to look forward to. It's just, it's a really vibrant city. So if we take COVID-19 out of the equation, what's life generally like in Houston? It's very active. Uh, people are on the go all the time. It's growing New restaurants opening, even now, even uh, in this COVID time, Chef Aaron Bluthorn, who was the executive chef at Cafe Belude in New York, is opening his namesake restaurant in Houston tomorrow. So we really, we really are a foodie paradise. Lots of restaurant activity, uh, from fine dining like Tony's and Brennan's to the great ethnic restaurants like uh, Memphis, uh, Tex-Mex, and then a whole new wave of young chefs coming in and putting Houston on the map foodie-wise. So we are... Um, hanging in there and, and really not suffering too badly from the, from the COVID situation. And Houston, Houston uh, as it pertains to philanthropy, does that play a big part of the life in Houston? It absolutely does. We like to say that philanthropy is a thread that weaves together the social fabric of the city. Um, there's a strong culture of giving, whether it's to the arts or to medicine or education, even parks. And uh, fundraisers for the myriad nonprofits, be it white tag galas or luncheons or cowboy-infused benefits where you can wear your cowboy hat, um, all of these nonprofit fundraisers really are at the center of the city's uh, socializing. And, in fact, uh, not this fall, but during a regular fall, I can have as many as 30 nonprofit uh, parties with fundraisers taking place in a given week. So it's, the, the philanthropy really is the driving force of most of the social life in Houston. Well, that, thank you for giving us all of this information. That's wonderful. And Scott, I would right. just have to say that, I mean, and thank you so much, Shelby, as well, but, I mean, Houston truly has, um, it's one of the, I mean, it's the people here are really what make it special. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are not from Houston. This is a place that is a melting pot. We're actually the most culturally diverse city in America. And one thing that I always want to just, I think people are always confused is I always say we sort of are the perfect shade of purple here in Houston. Mm -hmm. We have a blue city and a red state. 
and and we have great balance. And what's beautiful is, I mean, most people don't realize our previous mayor was a lesbian here in Houston, and we're you know a huge metroplex here in the in the south. And you know and you know they just think that we're conservative, but we are, but we are socially more liberal. And it just allows us to have a really amazing group of people. And, you know, and the people here give back. And it's the most open arms um, city I've ever been to. And, and that's why I made it home, is that anybody can become something here. And it's a, it's a land of opportunity and entrepreneurship. And that's why I believe the element culture works so well here is because it truly are, the, it, Houston, it's really the people that make it so different than anywhere else that I've ever been. Very well said. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you all for, for taking the time to, to enlighten us about Houston today. We really appreciate it. Um, that's all the time we have for today. And Howard, would you please close today's town hall? Sure. Ha ha happy to. I have two, two interesting quotes, which I think were uh, really apropos in today's times with the pandemic and the other unrest uh, that's going on in many uh, cities and states throughout the country. First one, you may all guess, but uh, I'm going to read it anyway, and then I'll tell you who it is if you didn't guess. I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. 26 times I have been trusted to take the game's winning shot and missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Michael, Michael Jordan. Wow. And the next one is along the same lines. Never give in, never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty. Never give in, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. That's Winston, Winston Churchill. So I wish everyone a uh, good weekend coming up, and uh, we all hope for uh, peace and uh, safety in our lives, and uh, we also hope for a business to keep going because a lot of people need our help, and we have to keep that in mind. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.